So finally, I'm able to get this episode out to you. If you had known, guys, what I had to go with this Wednesday afternoon to get this episode out. But finally, welcome everyone to the, another edition of Conversation with Shelby Green. I'm your host, the main man, Shelby Green. And plain and simple, guys, you know how it is. Every Thursday morning, coming to you at 9 a.m., like always, on all your podcast platforms, coming to you live, live, live. Well, not technically live, it's pre recorded, but you know what I'm saying. Swig a Mountain Dew out of my Louisville souvenir cup for a worker, man. Ah, so let's talk about them. Speaking of Louisville, how about them cards? So let's talk about a little weekend of college football real quick. Now, I was going to talk about the NFL with you guys, give you a little preview of the NFL, but I am on a time crunch tonight before I go to work, so I don't really have time to talk about the NFL. I do have time to talk about my main subjects. I got my big issue that I'm going to spend the majority of the show on. We're going to save it for the end of the show before I end. But let's talk about Jeff Brom and them Cardinals. because So... Last Friday night, I'm at home at my dad's. I'm going over to uh, my pops to watch the game. Anybody knows me, my dad's been a Louisville fan for over 40 years. I've been a Louisville fan for – I started watching sports in 2004, so you do the math. It's You do the math now. And everybody knows me, knows tomorrow they play Murray State. As I'm recording this, obviously, on a Wednesday, so obviously that, you know. So – Coming into fruition last Friday on September 1st, I, the, the Friday before Labor Day weekend, I had a lot of expectations. I thought Louisville would come out strong. I thought Braun would see a big we see a big offensive change. First quarter, I thought they drove down the field, kicked some field goals. I thought Plummer looked a little sloppy. Jake Plummer, a quarterback. A lot of people online were giving shit about it. And then, of course, you know, they were running the ball. The running ball, solid, but not enough to a point. I was like, all right. And then, of course, you know, all of a sudden, second quarter, Georgia Tech comes down and gets seven points. Then Louisville comes down and gets seven. Then Georgia Tech scores 21 unanswered points. And then it's they're down they're down 28 to 13 to half. And I thought, here we go again. The same shit that happened last year at Syracuse, this debacling bullshit. And here's my idea of thinking, because, we, you know, we had the old visor, Scott Siderfield. Hi, Scotty. Kiss my ass. Scotty was um, last year. Scott Satterfield, the head coach of the University of Louisville, makes me sick to my stomach even announcing that. And Scott uh, was all about um, was all about you know, you know, running the football, you know, not changing anything, you know, three halfbacks, you can you know, third and eight on the thirty-four. Let's run the ball. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Scotty. Any, but also you know, they come out the second half and Louisville's defense gets a stop. Uh, Louisville defense. Um, Louisville defense gets the ball first, and can't remember. I, I can't remember exactly because it's been it's been a week almost. But I do remember the first time we got in the, in the red zone in the second half. Plummer turns around and does that double pump and misses the tight end in the end zone. And me and my dad yell out, "What the fuck are you doing?" Then of course the defense shows up, gets a stop. We start rolling off, and then. Jamari Thrash started making some plays. You know, Corey Bell started making some plays. Coleman caught, caught a couple good balls. But the thing that caught my idea, uh, Callaway, but what caught my idea, I think what helped and what sealed the deal for Louisville to come back and win this game, and I really believe this, is that fact that Plummer started playing like a guy who's been in college football for more than, th- more than four years, came out there, started slinging, just played football. And I'll say this about Jake Plummer. A lot of Louisville fans still, a couple of them I saw, excuse me, that are saying, well, we need, we don't need to, Plummer ain't the answer, blah, blah, blah. We need to go with Clarkson. The fresh quarterback came in, you know, the highly recruited guy. And I, I still believe this, and this is just my opinion on this, and I really, truly, and wholeheartedly about this. Jake Plummer had nine carries for 51 yards. He had a 16-yard run in those carries. Jake Plummer did not. I didn't see Jake Plummer slide one time. He's leaning in the guys. He's six foot five. Jake Plummer has a good arm. I don't think it's the greatest arm in the world. I think it's solid. There was a couple throws. I'm like, damn, he's got a good arm. But I look at this, and then you know, Jawar Jordan, aka Jaws, you know, busted out that 74 yard run, basically to seal the deal. Louisville's defense made stops in the second half. I mean, the, the little six points that Georgia Tech got at the end of the game. Whatever, who cares? But at the same time, it was it was nice. Louisville responded. Jeff Brom said it best in the post office. In the post office, the pre, the the post game press conference. Excuse me, said it best. He goes, "I just challenged guys." You know, came out. The defense said we just felt like we were going to win this game. We walked out of that locker room. 
I will state this too. Offensively, I think Louisville in that second, that shows the talent they have. When they run the ball like that and they get the ball out and open, it's just beautiful offense to watch. Defensively, I think the secondary has a little bit of problem. But I also believe that their defense, their front seven, is still really good. And they lost a lot. Think about this. Louisville lost a lot last year on that front seven. That defense was very talented. That being said, you know, they got to the quarterback one. They got a sack, but they got one sack in this game. But also, I will give I want to give Louisville's I want to give Louisville's offensive line credit because their offensive line didn't give up a single sack. Now, Plummer did have some pressure on them. That being said, but also if anybody out there wants to sit there and say, you know what, this is the same Louisville team of last year, you're full of shit. This Louisville team is different. They did lose a lot. But offensively and defensively, they look different. They feel different. I even were talking to Dad about when I went to start, when Satterfield's second year, I went to when the COVID year, I wouldn't watch play Miami one night. And I watched Louisville play, and Louisville got their ass kicked by Miami. And I just remember looking at the secondary linebacker, and I said, like, man, we look so small out there. We look very small. The other night against Georgia Tech, they looked beefier. They looked bigger. It just looked like it looked like grown men out there. You know what I mean? They looked like grown men getting ready to graduate college. And I just was very pleased with that second half. I was excited. First time in God. First time in a while I can remember watching a little football game, I felt like, wow, we we got some momentum. The Central Florida thing, that was pure luck. The Wake Forest beat down last year we gave them. You know what, defensively, that was great. That was awesome. But with this crew of guys, this feels different. And I'm encouraging. I can't go tomorrow night to the Murray State game. As I record this, obviously it's going to drop on Thursday, but I'm recording it the night before. I can't go to the Murray State game. I can't. I want to go more than anything in this world. I want to be there. Louisville fans, I don't care what you got to do. Tickets are $5. Get your ass up and go to that stadium and root for this. You guys want to root? You guys want to root for something? Look at that program and look what it's got a chance. It's got a chance now. We're going to talk about that little soft ACC schedule everybody talks about here in a minute, in a little bit. But this is what it's about. That is what it's about. That was Louisville football, tackling. Now that second quarter was ugly, but outside of that second quarter, that they were and their defense was sharp. Outside the first two quarters, the offense was solid. But I will say this, Jamari Thrash, Coleman, Corey Bell, Higgins, Bruce Callaway, that is the best group of wide receivers Louisville's had since 2015, 2016. And you remember that year. We remember those years very well. They got talent. Jeremiah Thrash, if I say his name wrong, I apologize, but Thrash, that is a first to second, that's a second to first round wide receiver right there. That's a talent. Coleman has got good hands and needs more targets, but obviously Thrash is their main guy. Corey Bell is an A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf. I'm not saying they're that player. I'm saying the size. I mean, he's a big-ass receiver. Higgins-Bruce, I think, he's going to be a guy that he caught. He had six targets, caught three balls for 18 yards. He did fumble one, but it was Callaway. I like his game a lot. I think he needs more touch. And also, let's talk about the running game. The, the running, I mean, look at the, look at this. I mean, a, um, you know. Oh, excuse me as I pull it up. You know, Isaiah Grail, who's from Avon, Indiana, and everybody knows I live in Indy. Uh, I live in Greenwood, which Avon ain't too far from Greenwood, Indiana. But, you know, he's from here. And, I mean, I mean, I think single-handedly him in the third quarter running those tough yards and catching that one ball for 13 yards would be – Turner, I think he's really good. They got a good – their offense has got a good group of talent. Like, they could put up – now, I want to see him – and here's another thing. They're a 40-point favorite. I think 40, 41-point favorite against Murray State there. And I want to see Louisville put up 45 to 50 points and shut them out. I want to see Louisville just shut them out and get them out of here. As my Culture Kings thing sends me an email I don't care about. And that's what it is. And I tweeted this, and it is my pinned tweet on my Twitter account. By the way, follow me on Twitter at ItHappened2013. That is my uh, ItHappened2013. And on my profile, it's pinned. I said this best. Pin 2023 20 to 24, the rebirth of is just not football either. Go cards. Because I'll be honest with you, we're gonna talk a little bit here in a little bit. Um the whole just saying just football, because we got a Louisville guy in for football and we got a Louisville guy for basketball. Now I know there are gonna be people that hear this are Louisville fans that are not on the pain train and they're not very happy. Everybody has a right to feel that way. I get it. I'm not saying nip last year in the butt. 
the bud. I'm not saying that. But I look at this squad of guys that Louisville has on their roster, and I look from top to bottom. I'm like, this is what you want to see. This is what you want to see. I mean, they just – I think the problem we all have, the main problem we have last year is we thought, I thought for sure, in the back of my mind, I knew they'd be horrible. But I was trying to be optimistic and say, man, they can win some games. I thought they can win 20, 25 games. I was wrong. I was dead-ass fucking wrong. Because I thought for sure that Mike James would explode. I thought J.J. Trainer would thrive. I thought Jalen Withers would come out of his shell and be a, a wing forward that I thought he could be. Because I saw what he could be. I thought I saw his freshman year. And yeah, he played the five, but he played out of position. He played out of position. And I thought Eli Ellis could run point, and he's more of a combo guard. He's not; he's more of a two guard. He had to run point, and it was, they were horrible defensively. They were horrible, and I didn't expect Sidney Curry to be. Nah, I'm not going to bash Sid. I'm not going to do it. Whatever happened, Sid just didn't come to play. And is it on coaching? Yeah, it's on coaching, but it's also on the fact that what Kenny inherited and the crew, this his staff inherited. This was a mess. Everybody can sit there and point the finger, saying, "Well, you know." You know, they could have used NIL deals last year and blah, 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 blah. Look, here's the thing. And we're going to talk about the NIL uh, thing with Louisville right now, too, as soon as I get done with this statement. I mean this. If you really believe in your heart of hearts about Louisville basketball, you think that Louisville is going to be just a little bit better than last year? You think they're going to be about the same par? Let me know what ganja you're smoking because I need some of that good, good, dude. And I mean that. And I think, and I purposely, and I hopefully, and I hope that I, and then if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll come out here and I'll say I'm fucking wrong. But I really believe with the size and length they have and the guys they got, they just, the, the vibes just feel different. Jeff Lighty, who does a 35KY show in Louisville, one of my favorite radio shows to listen to, and shout out to him. He does a great fucking job. Jeff had Griff. Do I, and for the people out there that don't know, Dr. Duncan Stein, Daryl Griffin, the greatest Louisville basketball player of all time, the GOAT of Louisville basketball, won a national title in 1980 from Louisville, played high school ball in Louisville, had a good NBA career. Griff is a god in Louisville. He And I hate to throw that word around like that, but he, it's true. Griff said it best. You know, Kenny was dealt with the cards last year, the, the cards, no pun intended, what he was dealt with. I'm paraphrasing, but... Basically, he says, but this year, he's got some ballers and they're dogs. And I, but when Griff says that, I believe it. I believe Griff. You look at this crew of guys now, they have, I know the point guard thing. Tyler Johnson is on campus. We're waiting to hear if he's, in, if he's eligible. I'm not saying don't sleep on Hersey Miller, but don't sleep on Hersey Miller. There's something about that guy I like. I know, well, he didn't play here. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. I really believe Hersey can play a little bit. I think Hersey's going to contribute a little bit. Sky Clark is a point guard. He is a true point guard that can handle the ball. And I'll make this real clear. I don't give a shit about Trent Flowers. I don't care about his family. I wish him nothing the best, but they're gone. We need to get past that. Move on. It's over. Mike James, I think, is going to have a big junior year. I think Mike James is going to show what talent he was. Because you saw in spots last year what Mike James could do. You got to remember, got to remember, he came off an Achilles injury. That's not the hardest thing to do. And Mike James was very efficient last year. And I like Mike James' game a lot. J.J. Trainer, I know there's a couple guys on on Twitter that don't like him. I think he should be playing Louisville. He's family. And I think J.J. Trainer it proved a lot last year down the stretch. I thought he did a lot better. J.J. is never going to be a guy that is going to go out there and just bully you. He's got to use his length. He has to. And he started doing that. J.J. might be the best fucking leaper on the team. He can J.J. can get up and make some noise. And I think he's – I think – those guys last year, the four guys that, that came back, or five if you count Hersey, but we played significant minutes. Trainer, James, Brandon Huntley Halfwood, who I believe will show the world, the ACC conference, that he was a five star recruit and it will be a big year for him. And Emmanuel Okafor, those four guys, those guys tasted every one of those losses last year. 4 28. Embarrassing. I hated it. I had to go to work and listen to these fucking Indiana fans and Purdue fans run their mouth, and I couldn't say a word about it. So, yeah, if you don't, if you thought I was enjoying this being wrong, you're fucking out of your mind because I was wrong. I hated it. It made me sick to my stomach. And it is what it is. 
I just I gotta sit there and say last year didn't happen. We need to get him back to know. And like my dad told me the other day on the phone, he and what my dad said it best. This team is gonna win twenty four to twenty five games. They're gonna struggle. But they're going to win some games, and they're going to start making – and then next year. Now, I've heard people on there saying, well, the recruiting class ain't looking good 2024. Look, we need to focus on this year because they got enough talent here to get this thing going. You got – they got a – Kenny got a good class coming in this year. He got, Kenny Payne and crew did a good job. They got a good class in this coming in this year. Trey White is going to be a great transfer addition for us. He might be our best player, probably. Um, Dennis Evans is going to be a highly tired freshman. He's going to cover the rim. He's going to play a lot. They got a lot of guys on this squad. I and do not sleep on Karan Davis. I'm telling you guys, do not sleep on this kid. This kid can play. You look at those guys. He's got a tight ass handle. His handles are really. He's got a really tight handle. The ball isn't loose when he handles. He's got a really tight handle. He's six seven too. You got to use that size. But you look at that. You look at that compared to what we had last year. You tell me night. This ain't a nine day difference of a roster. It is. Now. Kenny has to win this year. If he wants to win recruits over, he has to win this year. And I don't care about Hilton Honors on an email. They has to win this year. And he's going to win some games. Are they going to go to the Final Four? Look, I love to say that, go that. Probably not. More likely no. Are they going to go to Sweet 16? That is something I would love to see. That is something you can build upon. Now, my idea of Louisville is Elite Eight, Final Four, is National Championships. That's my idea for a powerhouse. Because Louisville is a blue blood. No question about it. You don't think – I really believe that they're going to do something. Now, I heard some fans bitching about we don't need Louisville Live. Well, the Louisville's women had an Elite Eight run last year. I believe – or was it Elite Eight or Final Four? I Whatever. They had a great run last year. They are part of a Louisville Live. They need to be part – they need to run Louisville Live. You need to do it. Do Louisville Live. Because I'll be honest, I don't know if I'll be able to go to Louisville Live this year, but I will go to the red and white scrimmage. I will be in tennis for that. I will be at the Yum Center for that, and I can't wait for that. Now, that being said, here's what I think. As I going through my my Twitter account right now, and it was just announced yesterday. Oh no, no, that's the that's the little fan page. Here we go. Oh no, the little here we go. And I put this in. This is on my Twitter profile. This I put this in quotes. Huge. Hopefully, that is. 502 Circle is now official. And I've collector of the Louisville Cardinals more on partnership. So I'm gonna read this for you guys real quick. Come on, pull up. Internet's kind of slow. Okay, you're not working. Let me go. Let me go on my let me go on my laptop here, my app, my Mac, and let me get this up for you all real quick. We're talking about college. I'm gonna get back to college football, talk about the landscape of college football here in a little bit, guys. Oh, and it just announced. Wow, listen to this. Uh Jeremy from uh Jeremy just uh Jeremy from Cardinal Sports Zone just put out on Twitter. The attendance, you know, how close we get to this number tonight, the predictions, the attendance record was 58,187. Uh, 58, I'd like to see us get that close, Jeremy. I really would, buddy. I must have misread that. Let's not pull this up. Man, what the hell? All right. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm having one of them days. It's been, a, it's been a long day. I worked all night last night. I deeply apologize. And here we are. Let me click on this, this link. And let's get rocking and rolling. Come on. Why is my internet being so slow? Okay, let me go here again. Okay, well, so the article ain't pulling up, but anyway, this is a big deal. The um, the B the five hundred two circle is now the official NI collective of of um, the Louisville Cardinals and the first got her comment on it was brought Brom home let's go by the way I'm glad we made we made peace buddy buddy if you ever hear this I appreciate you on that one but man oh man this is that's a big deal to see that it's a huge ass deal that we are getting this we're getting this um, we're getting this to work that that ugh, I can't even talk I'm just excited man I'm really excited about this that 502 circle, the NIL collective, is going to be big. It's officially – that means when recruits come here, they want to ask about the NIL. Because, look, the NIL in the portal part of college basketball, I'm not against the NIL. I don't like the portal too much. I think the portal is bad for college basketball. I think it's teaching kids not to win. I think kids are bouncing back and forth. But it's the way the game is now. You can't take away from it. I mean, there's a certain college football coach in South Carolina at Clemson University. He needs to wake up and adjust to that. We're going to talk about his ass in a minute. 
But I will state this, like anybody else, I really believe that this is the right move. Louisville has a great sports, uh, college sports market. It's one of the best college markets in the country. It's a great city. I don't care what anybody says that. These people up in India, they're fans. There's people up here that run their mouth about my hometown. They can run their mouth. I know what a beautiful, gorgeous city it is. It's got its problems like everything else, but it's a beautiful city. The University of Louisville Cardinals Athletics knows. <coughs> also, by the way, for the men's soccer team, taking care of the Milecats. Round of applause for you, baby. I'll give you a, toast, a swig of this Mountain Dew for that one, baby. But that being said, there's excitement in my voice because it's a great time. We are almost 60 days away from basketball season. I can't fucking wait. I'm excited for Thursday night. And we're going to talk about a little schedule right here and right now because we got to talk about – this is going to lead into me going back to talking about college football. But let's talk about this. Here's Louisville's schedule. And by the way, that I'm waiting to see what that time for that Notre Dame game is. And I think that the NCAA is waiting because I think that's going to be a night game. Because if that is, I will be there Saturday, October 7th, October 7th at the at Cardinal Stadium. But tomorrow, obviously, we got Murray State. And then, as I repeat this one more time, I record this on a Wednesday. It airs on Thursday. That's why I'm saying tomorrow. Then September, Saturday, September 16th, they play, they play at Indiana. Um, we play. At, it says at Indiana because it's at Lucas Oil. I won't be forced to be able to go because my kid has a baseball game that Saturday, so I won't be able to go. Saturday got a, the following Saturday got a home game against Boston College, and then Friday night they go to, at, to NC State. So that being said, I truly believe that Louisville has every opportunity to, to run the table and go five and zero their first five games. They have a great opportunity. I think at NC State could be an issue. I'm not worried about the Indiana game. I really believe Indiana is a. Uh, Ohio State, I think Ohio State just didn't show up to play. And it's hard to win down there. And I will say this, it's hard to win down in Indiana. It just is. So, and then after the Notre Dame game, which I think they can win and they will win, they got at Pitt, which is on October 4th. That's have times I announced. Then they got a bye week eight. Then they got the Duke game at home. Then they got Vatek at home, Virginia at home. Then they got at Miami. And then, of course, Saturday, November 25th, we get back to business and we kick Kentucky's ass because we're going to kick their ass. Plain it simple. So, as I state, I think Louisville has a great – I really believe, and we're going to talk about Florida State here, I really, truly believe that Louisville has every opportunity to, in my opinion, to make a run and get to the to get to the ACC championship game. I think they have a lot of talent, and I think they have a great opportunity. And Jeff Brom, I really believe – I want – and look, I would love to make the college football playoff in years to come, but I want to make the four team before it expands. That's my thing. That's what I want. So let's talk about the, the, the rest of the college football landscape. Let's talk about the hot news about um, Deion Sanders in Colorado. I saw that spread the other day, 20, 20 points and a half. They were underdog against TCU. And they went out there and showed they had more athletes. Deion Sanders has done a great job, I mean, recruiting-wise. Now, I will state this. I think Dion is running his mouth a little too much about certain things that I don't agree with. I think Dion is a Dion could be a little because he is prime time and he is money and I get what he is. He's a, but I also believe Dion. I'm like, all right, brother, get to the point. Like you're talking in riddles. Well, Prime knows what he's gonna say and Prime knows this. That's that's Dion. I know, but I'm like, get to the point. But I think they, I think they got two of the best players in the country. I think they're really good. And I'm gonna pull up their schedule right here in Colorado. This is their schedule. They got Nebraska at home, which they're a two point, two and a half point favorite. I think Matt Rule at Nebraska is gonna get that program back on track. Colorado State at home. Then they go to at Oregon, at USC at home, at Arizona State. Then they got Stanford at home. They got a bye week. They go to at UCLA. They go to they got Oregon State at home, Arizona home. Then they got at Washington and at. Utah. Now I'm gonna say this right now. I think the Pac-12 is one of the best. Is the most. I think the Pac-12 is a really good football conference. The the realignment that's been beat to death. Now I'm not gonna talk about it, but they they have a really good football conference. Now that being said, do I think South that do I think Colorado is gonna make a run? No, I think they're gonna. I think they're close. I think they need a year, another year or two. I think they just need chemistry. I will state this. I think that Utah is one of the best teams in the country. I think Utah is going to be a problem. I also believe that I look at other squads. Oklahoma shut out Arkansas State 73 to nothing. Are the Sooners going to be back? We don't know. But I also look at other things. I look at Texas. They play Alabama this week. That's another thing to keep an eye on. There's a lot. The college football is just great in general. But in my opinion, the four best teams in the country that I've seen over last week – Obviously, Alabama and Georgia, 
outside of them, I think Florida State is back, and I think they're back, and I think they're going to be a problem. They kicked LSU's ass. Hey, Brian Kelly, how many times are you going to say, we're going to go down and beat the heck out of Florida State? Well, you got, you got your ass kicked. Remember what you said? I remember, was it, weren't you coaching Cincinnati and said some things about Louisville one time? Louisville hung 63 points on your ass? Yeah, I th- figured that. And I also believe that Utah is the fourth best team in the country. I don't believe in Ohio State. But in week two matchups, here's some matchups we got. We got Notre Dame going to NC State at NC State. That'll be their seven-point favorite. That's something to keep an eye out for. Utah on the road to Baylor. I think they beat Baylor. Youngtown State against Ohio State. Ohio State handles that. Clemson, we're going to talk about the man, but they'll get their win, I think. Iowa at Iowa State is a Iowa's a four-point favorite. That could be a different game. Mississippi, which is Ole Miss, against Tulane. That's they're a seven-point favorite against Tulane. Top twenty-five matchup. Texas A&M. I think they're on upset alert. They go. They place Miami. I think Miami takes care of business. And of course, the big one at seven o'clock that night. You got Texas going up against Alabama, and I will be watching that. I'm. I'm roll tied on that one, but don't be surprised. I see Texas pull off a shocker. Now let's talk about Clemson. The 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 the, the biggest talk of college football all weekend it was it was Colorado and then it was Clemson. And here's the thing. I mean this. If you really sit there and think about it, Dabo said it best. Name, engine, and likeness, the MIL deals, transfer portal. We ain't doing none of that. We're not going for that. Kids are gonna come here and get deals. Dabo is falling behind the times. Dabo is starting to fall behind the times. If he is not careful with what he's doing, Dabo is going to fuck around and find out. He's going to lose his ass. Dabo, you're, there's a lot of coaches that do this over time, and they have to adjust. They got their ass beat the other night against Duke. Duke, Duke, that was just ugly football. They just beat the living shit out of them. And it was embarrassing to watch. I'm like, this is a power. This is one of the power schools in college football. And you're getting your ass kicked by Duke, and it's not a knock against Duke. They've been a really solid program over the last five to ten years. They've actually won some games and done really well for themselves. But I'm just saying in general, like, are you fucking serious? You're really doing this? Are you fucking for real? Come on, man, Dabo, you better be careful because teams like. Florida State is coming back. I'm saying this as I might be biased, but I'm being honest. Louisville is getting some athletes, and with Brom down there, you don't think he's going to recruit some guys? If Brom can do what he did at Purdue, he can do at Louisville. He can do twice as that or three times as that. That's what I just think he can do. You look at that, and you're going to fall behind the times, man. You're going to fuck around and find out. I mean, you got North Carolina down there with Mac Brown. I mean, Mac Brown is a good is a is a good is a good coach. He's won a national title at Texas, but he's down there. You think he's a slouch? You don't think he's gonna giving guys NIL deals? Give me a fucking break. I mean, Dabo, his his ways are gonna cost you because there's always been a wonder about how much longer that Nick Saban has at Alabama. And everybody says, well, Dabo will probably take the job at Alabama. Will he? Because I don't see it happening. The Kirby Smarts of the world, the Nick Saban's of the world. You look at Utah, you look at Deion Sanders, you look at Ohio State, all these guys, all these guys are getting NIL deals. All these programs are getting NIL deals. They're getting, you know, they're using the portal. They have to use the portal. You've got to adapt. Louisville had transfers on their portal. They had Louisville had transfers. I mean, they got they got transfers. Like, like the thing that won Brom over with fans in the offseason was he was able to flip recruits and he was able to grab some really solid big names out of the portal. That's what he was able to do, and that's a fact. And you can't sit there and tell me. You cannot sit there and, and believe in yourself. You can't look yourself in the mirror and say, well, you know, we're not the team we are. Really? Because you're not the team you are because you're not, you're, you're not changing with the times. You've got to change the times. I mean, I don't like the fact that the NBA has got seven-footers shooting three-point jump shots. I don't like it, but it's part of the game now. Steph Curry's changed the game. Dirk Nowitzki's changed the game. The NFL, five wide receiver sets, two tight ends. Running backs are being out. Running backs aren't a part of the game anymore. I don't like it, but it is what it is. The pitch clock in Major League Baseball. They're speeding the game up for a reason. It's losing viewership. I, at the same time, it is what it is. But, you know, but that's what I'm saying. You can't sit there and you you got to adapt. You have to adapt to the times. If not, you're going to be out of this. Clemson does not. They. I went back. I was working that night. <clears throat> but at the same time, I had to work that night. But I was keeping an eye on it. And I watched the highlights. And just they turned the ball over three times in the red zone. They didn't look. They didn't. Their defense didn't look the same. They don't look the same. They better get – just it ain't working. You have to figure it out, Dabo. you got to wake up. If not, you're going to be out of it. You're going to be in a problem. He's got to accept the facts. you got to adapt to the portal. Look what Dion did. He, third, well, I can't remember the name, but it was like over 78% of those guys from Colorado were gone. Hey, people gave him shit about it. No, he flipped the roster because he knew he had to win. 
And look what he did in one week. Look what he did. Give me a fucking break, man. But Dabo, you better wake up. So that's all for college football this week. We're talking next week. I wasn't I wasn't talking about the NFL, but next week I'll talk. I'll do a I will do a college football recap and a a uh, NFL Week One recap. And that's where we're gonna do things. As my laundry is going 100 miles an hour for whatever reason, I don't know. That being said. Everybody knows me. I know I love pro wrestling more than anything in this world. I am a huge pro wrestling fan. Outside of my family and Louisville basketball and Louisville sports, I am a massive pro wrestling fan. The only thing that, those are the only things in the world that, yeah. That being said, all elite wrestling, AEW. Oh, boy. Mm-mm. I got something to talk about today. There's going to be a lot. I've cussed a little bit here and there on here, but I'm going to let you know if you um, don't want to hear certain language used and you don't want to believe in, you don't want to hear it, I'm going to let you know right here and right now that this is not going to be something you want to hear. If you are an AEW fanboy, they like to call them, you might want to turn this off and not listen to it because... And it's going to be whatever. And CM Punk was fired from AEW All Elite Wrestling by Tony Khan. And this is what was... um, I'm going to pull up my Twitter account so you guys can hear this too. So... This is a statement from All Elite Wrestling Tony Khan. All Elite Wrestling, AEW has terminated wrestling employment agreements between Philip Brooks, CM Punk. That's his real name, Philip Brooks. With cause, with from with, and AEW, with cause, effective immediately. Determination was confirmed today by Tony Khan, CEO, general manager, head of creative of AEW. Yeah. Determination follows a week-long internal investigation of an incident occurred backstage at AEW All-In in London on Sunday, August 27th. Following the investigation, the AEW discipline community met and later convinced with outside legal consent before making an anonymous recommend, recommendation to, to Khan that CM Punk to be terminated with cause. Khan offered, that's Khan, Khan offered the following statement. Phil played an important role within AEW, and I thank him for his contribution. For his contributions, the termination of his AEW, his AEW contracts with cause is ultimately my decision, mine alone. Of course, I wish I didn't have to share this news, which may come as a disappointment to many of our fans. Nevertheless, I am making a decision in the best interest of many amazing people who make AEW possibly every week, possible every week. Our talent, staff, venue operators, and many others whose effort are unsung by essentials to bring our fans great shows on television and arenas and stadiums throughout the world. That was what Tony Khan made. Now, I'm going I'm to break this down for y'all real quick. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my uh, profile real quick. And I'm going to play this. Ah, I don't give a shit. Let me go up here real quick. Bam. So. Oh, damn it. All right. Oh, there we are. Bam. Let me go on my profile. There we go. Sorry, guys. Just using a MacBook, really. <laughs> so this is... Um, I'm going to play this video for you. This is Tony Khan making a statement as I go down here. As I go down here. And pulling down, pulling down, pulling down. That don't make no fucking sense. There we go. Uh, Oh, here we go. This is Tony Khan addressing the... uh, This is the night they're down on the AW show collision. Here we go. CM Punk. All right, hold on. Let me pull it back. This is Tony Khan addressing the CM Punk situation before the Air Nine their Saturday Night Show collision. As I pull this back, pull it. There we go. Bam. One of the toughest decisions of my professional career. Today, I terminated Phil Brooks, CM Punk, for cause. This stems from a backstage incident at AEW All In last Sunday. The incident was regrettable. And it endangered people backstage. That includes the production <laughs> staff, the people who help put the show on every week, innocent people who had nothing to do with it. I've been going to wrestling shows for over 30 years. I've been producing them on this network for nearly four years. Never in all that time have I ever felt until last Sunday that my security, my safety, my life was in danger <laughs> at a wrestling show. 
I don't think anybody should feel that way at work. I don't think the people I work with should feel that way. And I had to make a very difficult choice today. It came at the recommendation of a discipline committee here in AEW. Oh my discipline as well as outside legal counsel who delivered a unanimous <coughs> and I have followed up on that recommendation. I'm sorry to any fans who are upset by this. I'm sorry to anyone who's upset by this. Despite that, we're going to have a great show tonight on oh, Collision, man. and we're going to have a great AEW all-out pay-per-view tomorrow here in Chicago. Last weekend was the greatest weekend in AEW history. This is the greatest week in AEW history. We're going to continue the great momentum here tonight on Collision and tomorrow night on all-out pay-per-view. Let's take a So that was Tony Khan. And I will make this real clear. If you can go watch that video and you look at his eyes, this man literally, literally, literally. And this is what, uh, and this is what Jim Cornette, the Louisville lip, the guy who's from Louisville. This is, um, and you know, everybody wants to bitch him complaining Cornette, but Cornette is fucking right on this, and I've been saying he's been fucking right on this, and I'm backing him on this, and I'm getting pissed now thinking about it. But as I talk about it, I'm getting, my blood is boiling. I've been involved in a business filled with exaggeration and hyperbole for almost 50 years, and I have never heard a single line of dialogue containing more stunning, awe-inspiring, metric fuck-ton of honor-dollarated bullshit in my life as I heard uttered tonight. Hashtag scared for my life. That was Cornette, and I agree. Here's another thing that I quote tweeted and read this. This guy, just Alex, at, at just Alex Center, I think that's how you say it. I apologize if I butchered your name. I'm mad everyone now. I'm mad at CM Punk for not taking a high road instead of letting high school drama affect his AEW comeback. I'm mad at, at, uh, at Hangman Page for shooting on Punk over Colt Cabana, who had zero to do with him getting released. I'm mad at... Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks for confronting Punk at the, after the media scrum instead of acting like EVPs. I'm mad at Jack Perry for instigating the fight at All In, which led to CM Punk being fired. I'm ultimately mad at Tony Khan for not being a strong leader from preventing this all this drama. At the end, it's the fans who suffer. Bingo. A fucking man. And like I quoted, 100%, Tony let this happen, and he just lost his biggest box office attraction. And I also quote tweeted that statement from all that I read. Elite, the elite got what he wanted, plain and simple. And then I quote tweeted this: "No backbone. You let this shit happen. What a fucking joke." And then the reverse caps: "Fear for my life. Get the fuck out of here." And I never thought this, but listen, this is Vince Russo. Now everybody knows who Vince Russo is, and he did this. Did at Tony Khan say his life was in danger at all? In is he suggesting that at CM Punk was threatened? Threatening or threatened his life, bro. The late great Miss Luna Vashon, God rest your soul, Luna, was only physically went, went right through me to went, once physically went right through me to get the sunny, bro. I thought Luna was going to kill me too. Guess what? Just another day at the office. Didn't quite understand what TK thought the wrestling business was. Did he really think it was about his boyhood action figures coming to life to wait to see how ten-year-old Tony was going to book them today? That was nice. Did he really think that, bro? Stuff like that happened every day when I was on the job. The only difference is it stayed in the locker room and it wasn't resolved. And it was, and excuse me. It stayed in the locker room, and it was resolved in the locker room. Dirt sheet marks were not getting fed by the marks in the ring because there were no marks in the ring. But, yeah. But, oh, yeah, different time. And I quote tweet, I never thought I agreed with this, but holy fuck, he's right for the most part. And this is what I tweeted. Hashtag, AEW All Out is going to be an utter disaster tomorrow. Also, good luck drawing a big house slash gate in Chicago again, or at least for a good while. The inmates are on asylum. WCW 1999-2002.0. And here's, an, here's another thing. Here's another tweet. And O'Shea Jackson Jr., who's Ice Cube's son, is a big wrestling fan. I didn't know that, but I follow him now on Twitter. He said this. That it was reported that CM Punk and Elite had a, had a meeting that was canceled before all uh, AW All In. Here's what it, this is what happened. Canceled meeting with Elite days before All In. Transportation issues for Punk when arriving in Atlanta. Jack Perry looked directly at the camera, shoots on Punk in front of 81,000 fans. I'm no CM Punk Mark, but sounds like he was set up. They they wanted a reason to can him, and I'm believing that. It's so obvious. They got it. They made a reason. Made a reason. They did this for a reason. They absolutely did this shit for a reason. 
I listened to, and then I just saw this when I, this was tweeted six hours ago by Wrestler, Wrestler Ops that I follow. The opening quarter of this past Saturday's of episode of AEW Collision drew 4,702 viewers after Tony Khan announced that he fired CM Punk. 89,000 people tuned out due down to 383,000 viewers a loss of 19% of the audience. The show went down to 250 viewers by the end of the final full quarter. So let's make this real clear to you. And this is for the fans out there that don't you don't agree with me. I don't give a fuck. Here's my point. As I'm, I'm putting my long hair up in a ponytail right now. And as I washed it just today after I got out of the shower. Chicago was where all the, the whole... Chicago was the town that all AW was formed. It was the, the thought process. All in in twenty nine and what was it, twenty eighteen? Whatever it was that drew that ten thousand seat arena, the Sears Center in Chicago, the UIC Pavilion, I think it, it, we used to be called. Their first house was their first their biggest house gates have been in Chicago. Their 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 Chicago has been their home of what they've made. Their every single time they have gone to Chicago, they have drawn a house, a big gate. Did you and I won't see this. There's also a video of Tony Khan before the show of collision walking outside and talking to the fans and the people in Chicago, the United Center, a building that they filled up. The United Center when Punk when it was rumored Punk was making his appearance on their one hour show Rampage, The Last Dance, which was taped, which was aired live, which did a hell of a gate, was half full. He came out there and apologized to the fans, and he met, he looked like a fucking baby. He made this, and here's the thing. The only reason why AEW released that statement made that video, because Punk, I hope Punk does. He's going to sue their ass. And I hope he wins. And there's rumor that Punk's going to have a response here coming soon, and I can't wait to read it. And I'm no CM Punk. I'm not the biggest CM Punk fan in the world, but I will tell you this. When CM Punk signed with AEW, I knew in my back of my mind, I said, this is going to be serious because Punk's angles on say what you want to say about it. when he works his programs, their mat his matches are solid, and he they they are believable storyline. Like this whole shit with the elite that's been going on, the whole thing we talked about this in passing. But if anybody believes that AEW is making the right choice by having them as EVPs, I mean this. AEW. By 2024 to 2025, they'll probably be off television. They'll probably be out of business because they just lost their biggest tracking. When they go to Chicago, the United Center, All Out, I didn't watch All Out, and I didn't watch WWE's um, Payback. I took a weekend off of wrestling. I was just, I was tired. I was wore out, and I'm glad I didn't. I read that everybody online said it was a, it was a solid show. I mean this right here in the bottom of my heart. The inmates are running the asylum. Dynamite is a Chris Jericho fiasco. There's only, and I'm going to quote Jim Cornette, and I'm not going to go word for word, but Cornette said this, and I 100% believe the only people that are going to go to AEW are guys that are past their prime. They're going to milk a a huge money man that Tony Khan is for for some money, or... Guys who are working indies work the same fucking style like everybody else. Run, run, run. Push, go. No storytelling. Block, block, block. Bam, bam, bam. Elbow, elbow. All over the place. Ba, 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 ba. That's what they're, they, they're going to do. But anybody in WWE that is can draw money, that is worth a nickel, they're not going to go there because look what they just did with Punk. Clearly, Punk was their number one gate attraction. Nobody moved the needle like Punk, Punk did in AEW. You know, remember when they, what was it, 2022, AEW, uh, what was it, Re- Revolution, their first pay-per-view of the year. Everybody was talking about the buy rate. It was one of the best buy rates they had. Everybody said it was it was Hangman Page and Adam Cole main event in the world title match at the end of the show. No, it wasn't. It was CM Punk and MJF that drew that house that was drawing the ratings. That's what drew those because Punk and MJF was was professional wrestling as fine. It was two guys, two grown men that had an issue that could talk on a microphone and had a great angle, and that's what made it work, plain and simple. Now, is CM Punk innocent in this? Absolutely not. He's not innocent in it. Punk. But here's the thing: you had that. You had that. You wanted a meeting to set up with the the elite to talk this thing out to hash it. Punk wanted to do this. He wanted to do this. The elite didn't do it. They pulled away from him. He had transportation issues in London. 
He was in Atlanta the day. We'll take back. We went to Atlanta today. He 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 left his wife and his dog alone at their hotel because he said we're gonna have this meeting. We're gonna talk things out. Okay. He comes back. He goes back to the hotel. He's got a couple hours to spend with his fucking wife and his dog. Which you know, punk don't have kids, but his dog is like everything to him. He goes back to his hotel to spend maybe an hour or two with his wife. Then he's got to go back to the fucking show and do the show. So he's already pissed off about that. He gets to London and he has transportation reasons where he couldn't find his hotel. He couldn't get a, an Uber or anything else or a taxi or anything. He had fans. He was taking a train to get to his hotel. And then he gets to the building and Jungle Boy wants to run his fucking mouth about real glass, crimey, and whatever. River, you don't think punks had a fucking enough of this shit? I probably done the same thing. This is what I would have done, and I'm gonna say this: This is what I would have done in this situation. I would have told if I was Tony Khan, because Tony Khan ain't got no balls. Tony Khan, Tony Khan has no balls. Tony Khan has no fucking balls. He has no backbone. He is soft as cotton. He has got no fucking heart at all. If Tony Khan had a set, this is what he would have done. We won't do the meeting with Well, you're going to do them with your EVPs or you're just going to be wrestlers. Which one are we doing? Because this is ridiculous. You need to, We need to sit down and hash this out. All of us. Sit down and hash it out. And if the Jungle Boy thing happens, what I would have done. I would pull him aside in a fucking room. I'm like, all right, you two. I would have said this. All right, you two morons, sit down. And I would have done this. What happened? Both sides of the story, blah, 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 blah. I would have gotten Jack Perry's ass and said, He's my main star attraction. You don't think he'd been fucking watching. He looked at the camera and did it. You get fucking lucky. He just front and he put and Punk put him in a front face lock. Let me make this real clear. If Punk wanted to, Punk, you say what you want to say about Punk and his MMA thing. There's not a guy probably not in the locker room that could take Punk one on one. Punk probably could whoop anybody's ass. And Punk would have beat the shit out of Jack Perry right then and there. Jungle Boy Jack Perry. He would beat the living shit out of him. I would tell Punk, Perry. You do this shit again, you're fired. Go to the hotel, leave. Punk, go out there, tear the fucking house down. Do this shit again, and you're going to be suspended again. Go to the hotel. That's all you got to do. You can't fire Punk on that because at the same time. And here's another thing that fucking bugs the living shit out of me. That fucking irritates me so bad. Is that I wanted AEW, keyword wanted, one of them to do so well and become not just an option, but competition. They did 82,000 people, whatever it was, at Wembley Stadium. They did a great house in Wembley, and I'm fucking proud of them, and I'm that's uh, awesome. But nobody's talking about. They're talking about fucking the elite getting their fucking way. They're talking about the the. They're talking about punk being fired. They're talking about their low attendance ratings. How all out was a was a half empty fucking arena. And I'm sitting there thinking like, hmm. The it's starting. The tides are starting to turn. Chris Jericho having fucking almost every bit of dynamite with the worst fucking angles in the world. The elite not taking anything serious with their storytelling. You got certain guys, MJF and Adam Cole are running the show, but they feel like a secondary option. The angle's getting stale, and they had a good match all in, but nobody's talking about. CM Punk had Collision. Collision was actually a really good wrestling program, and now they lost their viewership. So Tony Khan has now got a Wednesday show, a Saturday show, and a tape show he airs on Fridays. His Saturday show was a bad idea from the get-go. Nobody's watching Saturday Night Wrestling unless it's a pay-per-view or special attraction. Plain and simple. Nobody's watching it. I don't. I haven't watched Collision Live since the first two episodes. I haven't. Or three episodes or whatever. So you mean to fucking tell me that you're going to sit there and literally do this shit? You fire your box office attraction over this shit? But there's no... But Hangman Page didn't get suspended for when this shit started. The elite got suspended, but what happened to Paige? Paige didn't do it either, right? Oh, that's right. Mm, okay, so here's what's going to happen from now on. I'm no longer going to talk about AEW on this program unless there's something I need to talk about. I will no longer do a show about AEW. I want to review. As a matter of fact, I am unsubscribing from the, their YouTube channel. I'm taking their DVD, my DVD off on their cable, of, of the cable. I'm not watching the shows anymore. I'm done. What they did this past weekend, they took me, a guy who has spent money out of his own pocket when I didn't have it, when I was I put my bills back to watch their fucking pay-per-views, who has gone through hassles trying to find a fucking streaming service to make this work, dealt with Bleacher Report's bullshit on their app trying to make this fucking work because they can't just get a regular system and make it work. I had to, I dealt with their Honor Club bullshit, with their bullshit booking with Ring of Honor. They had, they had Busher and Destroy. I've had to deal with their silly-ass bullshit on Kelly Bell Television to make people believe the wrestling is bullshit and phony. And they, they, ugh, and they do this. I'm done. I'm done with AEW. 
it's a damn shame because I love Sting. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I'm not going to ever watch Sting wrestle again unless he's in a different promotion. I'm not watching MMA Jeff ever again. They took Wardlow away. They butchered Wardlow's booking. Hobbs and Miro, they've done shitty jobs with them. Uh, Brian Cage, they've done shit. They just did everything they've done. It's just I don't agree with, and I'm this was the straw that brought the camels back. So from now on, I am anti-AEW, and I'll be honest with you, I hope they go out of business. And I never thought I'd say that about wrestling. I wish wrestling was better with with this shit going on. Wrestling was better with, with a monopoly than this shit I'm watching. And if I'm seeing Punk, and I, and I don't think Punk will ever listen to this, and it is what it is. But I really mean this. Punk, if Triple H calls you on the telephone, pick up that phone. Because Survivor Series is already sold out in Chicago at the Rosemont Horizon, all state arena. It's the Rosemont Horizon to me. You show up in Chicago, you have one last run. WrestleMania 40 is going to be in Philly. People want to see you in WWE again. People want to see you. If Punk shows up in WWE, and the less drama we hear about, if Punk shows up, I promise you one thing. People are going to look, Tony Khan, all those guys are going to nip in the bud because not only do, does WWE pick up one of the biggest attractions in professional wrestling, now you've got guys like Roman Reigns, who is the number one guy in the business, bar none. you got LA Knight, who's selling more merchandise than anybody else. Their arena attendance is on fire right now. Fastlane does not have one single match. Their pay-per-view in October, Fastlane has not one single match announced downtown Indianapolis. they got almost 13,000 tickets sold. It's almost sold out. Payback was an average pay-per-view of best with a card, and they had a fifteen thousand. They had fifteen thousand people in that arena. Pittsburgh basically sold it out. And you think Punk goes there, and he don't show up, and business won't pick up? So AEW, it's been fun, but I will no longer after this bullshit. I will no longer because Jack Perry should have been suspended. Hangman should have been suspended. This whole thing could prevent. And Tony Khan has lost fans because there's there's the option on the fans. The fans started out with, there were fans that were saying, okay, it's either, there are people that wanted Punk gone because he was toxic, which I I can't agree, I can't disagree with that, that Punk hasn't, it's not that, I don't think it's his fault, it just, it just follows him, because Punk is just so, he's just so strong, he ain't gonna put up with bullshit, and I respect that about him, he just ain't gonna put up with it. The elites kitty gains when they're running a program, they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Remember, they ran Cody off, too, by the way. I know they're still fans, but they ran Cody off. They ran Cody off. Let's. They ran Cody off. Cody Rhodes, I'm talking. And then you got the people that are just like, the fans are like, what the fuck? Really? Are you fucking kidding me? Look, there's what well, you say what you want to say about WWE. You'll be, sometimes you'll get frustrated with some of their creative decisions, and I get it. But they're a structure, and you know what's going to happen. AEW, from the moment... They've had management issues. They have issues with security. They've had issues with they've had issues with guys getting to the their book. The guys being booked on and off. They're getting guys been sent home. They've been this. It's a fucked up dysfunctional company, and that's a fact. So that being said, as I close the show today, I no longer will have anything to do with AEW. As a matter of fact, I am tuning them out, and I'm acting like they don't exist. Unless something comes along that changes my opinion, but I hardly doubt it. And tune in next week as I will go over week two of college football in the first week of the NFL. More announcements coming up on the YouTube channel, which is launching October 1st, and I can't wait to get that out there for you guys. And just remember one thing as I close the show. I don't bullshit. I just tell it like it is straight up. Have a good one, y'all.